you missed it at the beginning, if you're sort of joining us after, after a while, uh, caught up with us just a, a little bit later than the beginning, I invite you to, after the video is done and we posted it, I invite you to go back and watch the beginning. Uh, we did make a, an announcement that next week we will be uh, online and in person in the building indoors. Uh, and so just go back and watch that and, uh, and watch for information coming. Uh, so we're going to look at a couple of passages this morning. Uh, one from the Old, one from the New Testament. Uh, Genesis 12, uh, verses 1 through 9. Uh, we looked at 1 through 3 last week. So Genesis 1 through 12, 1 through 9, and then Matthew 9, verses 9 through 13. In some ways, they're the same story. I'll explain later. So, before we read, let's pray together. God, thank you again for this time that we can, we can gather together around your word, that we can remind ourselves that we belong to you. We can remind ourselves that, that this book is, is vitally important to us and that when we do this, somehow, some way, we, we don't know exactly how it works, but by your spirit, we believe that we hear your voice. So we pray for that this morning. We pray that as we hear your voice, that you would do something in us to, uh, to change us, to make us look more like Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Genesis 12, verses 1 through 9, hear these words. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country your people, your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So, Abram left as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abraham set out and continued toward the Negev. And we move over to Matthew chapter 9, starting at verse 9. As Jesus went on from there, he, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. 
While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Because you, all peoples on earth, will be blessed through you. Remember? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. We will go that far. So good, right? So, the story of the call of Abram is one of my favorite stories. Um, it's one of our primal stories. It's, it's a foundational story. It's a story that, that forms our roots as people who, who say we have a relationship with the one and only God. It's a great story. And if we're, if we're really paying attention to this story, it's a story that we can all live into. So here we have an elderly couple, right? They're settled. They're comfortable. They're secure in the way life is and the way they think life ought to be. They've got their country, they've got their family, they've got their friends, they've got all their stuff. They've got all the stuff in this world, all of the things in this world that we value so much. When we have all of those things, life is so good, isn't it? And then here we have God coming to them and whispering in their ears, look y'all, there's no such thing as retirement. And he orders this couple to get up and get out of here, to move, to go to a new place. It's difficult, risky business, this getting up and moving. Like, they don't even know where they're going. God just says, get up and go. Maybe I'll show you on the way. To the land, I'll show you later. Get up. And they don't even know where they're going. They're just told to go. So this is one of our primal stories, if not the primal story. It's the beginning of the formation of the people of God. We call him Father Abraham because out of Abraham, out of Abram and Sarai, who will become Abraham and Sarah, comes the nation of Israel, the people of God. And here, at the beginning of that formation of the people of God, I think in this story we have, we've got faith defined for us. This story gets told over and over and over again, all over the pages of the Bible, only in different ways and with, and with different people. To get at what I mean by that, we're going to lay this story beside that other story that we read from the Gospel of Matthew. And I think as we, we look at these two stories, my hope is that you'll put your own story, like maybe even between the two of them, and See if maybe God might have something to say to you. So, hundreds and hundreds of years after the call of Abram, we've got this guy named Matthew. At this time, it's a young guy. He's settled. He's comfortable. He's secure in his life and the way he thinks life ought to be. He's got his home. He's got a family, presumably. He's got a well-paying job. He's presumably got some stuff. 
Right? All the things in this world that, again, we value so much. So for him, life is good. And then this wandering rabbi comes up. This wandering rabbi named Jesus sees him at his tax collecting booth, and he says to him, follow me. It's not a question, by the way, just like God didn't ask Abram a question. He didn't say, hey, Abram, hey, Matthew, would you maybe think about it for a while, maybe for a day or a couple of weeks, and think about maybe you might want to sort of follow me, go? It's not a question. He orders him get up, move. He says, follow me. So it's difficult, let's just name this, it's difficult, risky business, this getting up and following. He doesn't even know where they're going, just like Abram. He's just told, follow. And so Matthew, like Abram, and hundreds of people in between the two of them, he got up from his tax collector's booth got up from the safe and secure place he had built for himself, he got up and moved, just like that. This story is the beginning of the formation of the Jesus people. And here, at the beginning of that formation, I think again in this story, we've got faith defined. Faith defined in a couple of stories. Faith defined in a couple of ordinary lives. Just lived out. That's an interesting thought, isn't it? And I think that if there's only one thing we can say, and there are more, but if there's only one thing we can say about these two stories, I think we can say this. Faith is about movement. Think about that. Faith is about movement. God's first words to Abram were movement words. They were verbs. Leave. Go. Jesus' first words to Matthew were, it was a movement word, a verb, follow. So Abram left. Matthew got up and followed. Faith seems to be about, about movement. Now, perhaps this is a new idea for you. Maybe you've, you've always thought that, that faith was all about believing the right things. Maybe you've always thought that, that faith was about this kind of mental assent to a certain set of beliefs, ideas, principles, propositions, and doctrines. Maybe, maybe you've always thought that you had to believe the right things before you could say you had faith. You had to believe the right things before you could sort of belong to a community of faith. Well, it's not exactly that. It's so much more than just that. I mean, look, God didn't come to Abram and say, look, dude, you got to start believing the right things about me. Like, if I'm going to call you to do something special, if I'm going to call you to, to be something special so that all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you, you've got to start believing the right things first. You have to start believing that I am all-powerful, that I know everything, that I'm absolutely everywhere, that I created heaven and earth and everything in between with just a word, with just a breath, and all of a sudden, there it was, just exploding into being because I spoke. You've got to start believing that hundreds and hundreds of years from now, I'm going to send my son into the world, and, well, he's going to be born of a virgin, he's going to live this amazing life, and eventually die on the cross, and on and on and on. you got to start believing the right things, Abram. And then I'll decide whether or not I'll be with you and work with you and reveal myself with you and work through you. No, God didn't say those things. 
It's not where God started. It's not where Jesus started with Matthew. God simply said, leave. Go. Jesus said, follow me. Faith. It's about movement. It's about movement? It's about movement. And maybe, maybe it's only in the leaving and the going and the following and the moving Maybe it's only in those things, in the leaving, in the going, in the following, in the moving, that we, that we learn the things that we need to believe along the way. Maybe it's only along the way that God actually reveals those things to us. Faith seems to be about movement. Immediately, God comes to Abram and says, leave, go. Immediately, Jesus comes to Matthew and says, follow me, move. Get up. Move. But here's the thing. I don't think this can be just sort of any kind of movement. I think, I think it's got to be intentional movement. It's the kind of movement that, that responds to, the, to a call from God. Like, God's got the initiative. God makes the first move. If you're here watching us right now, if you've clicked on it and you're present with us, or, or maybe you're watching this later, I don't know. I believe that's not an accident. Like something outside of yourself helped you get to the point where you were able to say, yeah, I'm going to click on that. I'm going to be present. I'm going to listen to this dude talk about a book that's thousands of years old. See what there is there. And then find out that faith is about movement. And God makes faith about movement, I think, for a reason. Think of it like this. What happens when you don't use your muscles? Like when you, when you don't exercise, if you don't move them? Well, you know, they, they atrophy. Like they get weaker, they shrink down, they, they wither, right? They get smaller, or, or think about it like this. What happens to a body of water when there's no movement? We call it standing water, not running water. Stand, why do we use that language with water? They don't have, it doesn't have legs. But we call it running water. What happens to standing water? Water that doesn't move. Well, it gets, it gets nasty. It gets smelly. It gets rancid. All kinds of things begin to grow on it and in it. Like mosquitoes depend on standing water for their survival. And nobody likes mosquitoes. They're the anti-faith bug. I've always said this. I mean, they cause people to ask really hard questions about God. How can a good, loving God, an all-powerful God, allow such a bug to exist? Or create such a bug in the first place, right? So the option here, the option for, for standing still, isn't really much of an option. Is it we need movement or faith sort of atrophies, gets stale, maybe even in some ways just moves to the background completely and it's gone? Maybe just there, but not really? So faith is about movement. It's, it's Abram leaving part of his, himself behind and walking toward the land of Canaan. It's Matthew leaving part of himself behind and walking on, following this wandering rabbi named Jesus. So what, what is your movement? 
what's, what's the next step for you? Perhaps just being present, watching this video, worshiping with us. Perhaps, perhaps that was a big movement for you. Maybe it's a movement of location, literally packing up and moving somewhere else. Maybe it's a movement of, of values, like valuing time spent with family and community and time spent in service rather than spending so much time at work so that you can make more money, so that you can accumulate more stuff. Maybe, maybe it's a movement in attitude. A movement in attitude where you sort of choose to look differently at life certain situations and instead of letting the things that are all happening in this world which are a lot right now and it sort of weighs heavily on us maybe maybe we choose to look for new opportunity in these times instead or maybe maybe it's a movement towards someone who has hurt you you know offering forgiveness or maybe it's a, a movement towards someone you know you've hurt asking them for forgiveness. Maybe it's a movement of the mind, the intellect. As we sort of struggle to understand a little bit more deeply the nature of God and what God is really like and what God is up to in the world. Whatever it is, it will be a, it will be a movement into sort of unknown territory, a, a previously unexplored land. It's risky business. This getting up. And this moving. But if it wasn't risky, we wouldn't call it faith. I think there are a couple of things we can say about this faith movement, too. Because I don't think we're flying blind, right? Now, these two stories of these two guys named Abram and Matthew, I think they show us a little bit about what we might be able to expect as we move. So even though this moving is risky business, it's hard at least we can know, have a little bit, we know what, what to expect. We know what, what's coming along the journey. And I think we can say this. This thing we call faith, look, it, it moves in stages. If you look at the Abram story, toward the end of verse 5, it says this. They set out for the land of Canaan. Now, the Hebrew behind the English there, when we translate that literally, it says this. They set out in stages. And there's sort of a word picture that's happening behind here. Right? The image is of, of a group of people packing up their tents, walking for a day, then stopping, setting up their tents, setting up camp, building a fire, maybe having some dinner together, and then going to sleep at night. Then they wake up the next morning, they pack up their tents, and they walk, and then they get to another place. At the end of that day, they put up their tents, make some dinner, go to sleep at night again and again and again and again. If you look, there were all kinds of different places they were. They were in Haran, Canaan, Shechem, Bethel. We can imagine them wandering for a few days, not always aware even of the presence of the divine. And then they get to the great tree of Morah at Shechem and they have like this spiritual high. God appears to them and talks to them, to your offspring, I will give this land. And then they move on to Bethel and they don't seem to hear anything from God. 
And maybe there at Bethel, they began to wonder, was this all a dream? Is this all a hallucination? Are we on the right path? Are we going the right way? Is this really real? And yet, in that place, it says they, they worshipped. So this thing we call faith sort of moves in stages. It goes up. It goes down. Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we, we experience the presence of God, and sometimes we don't. And if you read the rest of Matthew's story, you'll see that the same is true for him, too. So if you're, if you're a parent, then you know how much fun it is to watch your kids learn how to walk. And if you're not a parent, but you've seen that process, you know that it all happens in stages. The first thing that happens is they figure out how to roll over. That's like one of the first milestones when you've got a little baby in the house. It's like, oh my goodness, and you're filled with so much joy because they figured out how to roll over. And then they figure out how to, how to sit up on their own. Then they get the urge to move, right? And they start learning how to master the art of crawling. And then after a while, finally, when they get tired of seeing everybody else walk upright, they get this like fire in their gut to try it all for themselves. And maybe mom and dad are sitting five or six feet apart and they're holding the little child and the child will take a step and then another step and then fall and then cry. And then they help them up. They take a step and then another step and then they fall and then they cry. And over and over again that process goes. And the pride you feel as a parent watching your own flesh and blood finally figure out what it's like to walk and actually do it. It's like nothing else. You feel so much joy and so much pride when they take their first few steps. And then you hurt with them when they fall. But when they get it, it's like, oh my goodness, it's so beautiful. I think the faith movement is a little bit like that for us. And I think God goes absolutely nuts with joy when we just take a few steps. And I think God hurts right along with us when we fall. But the fact that we just keep moving, no matter what stage we're in, up, down, easy, hard, the fact that we just keep on moving just must be a beautiful thing for the one who made us. So this faith thing, we, it moves in stages. So here's the last thing I want to say. This whole faith thing can be really frustratingly slow. Like, it's really slow. We never just arrive, boom, we're there. I know everything. I understand everything. I got it down and um. Oh, man. We never just get there. God had Abram go from Haran to the land of Canaan. That's roughly 500 miles all on foot for a 75-year-old couple. Like, I don't care how old you are. A 500-mile walk is frustratingly slow. It's not a quick trip. And as Matthew and the rest of the disciples followed this 
Jesus around. They heard him say time and time again, the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is near. And every once in a while, I think they'd get a good look of it. They'd experience it. Almost as if the, the curtain separating heaven and earth is sort of pulled back and they get to see what heaven really looks like here on earth. A little healing there, a forgiveness there, water into wine over here, a new insight over there, a new learning here, but it's always something. But if the kingdom of God was near, it must have seemed like it wasn't, wasn't near enough. It was a frustratingly slow walk for them too. You know what it's like to stop exercising and then try to get into it again? It stinks. It's not fun. It's really hard work. Like if you're a runner, you know this. You know what it feels like to try to start running again. Like the worst part for me is, is the first half to three quarters of a mile. I mean, no matter how far you're going or how far you think you're going to go, you know you've just sort of just started and you've got a long way to go. And that thought can be daunting. It can be frustrating. So the only way to fight through that is to just continue putting one foot in front of the other, always moving, always going. Like, I think faith is like that long road ahead. You, 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 you want to get where you're going even though you're not quite sure where you're going or you want to get there now, but you can't. It's just a long, slow walk. But if we just have patience, if we just keep putting one foot in front of the other, the walk doesn't seem to get any shorter, but it seems to ease a little bit. And soon, just like when you run like three miles or so, you kind of get into a rhythm and it starts to, starts to feel really good. You know, in theological circles, they call this, this word called sanctification. It means becoming holy. It means becoming more and more the person that God has made you and called you to be. Following closer behind that wandering rabbi named Jesus who gives us the power and the strength to just keep moving. So did you do it? Did you take your story, your experience, the things that you're, that you're experiencing now in life, did you sort of put those things in between these two stories? Is your faith characterized by movement, even if it's just a little? Or is it stale? Is it not going? anywhere? Have you learned nothing new recently? What stage are you in? Are you camped along the way? Wherever you are, just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And one day after you're gone, your family and your friends, well, they'll be telling your story of faith as a way to sort of encourage themselves and others, just like we're still telling that story of Abram. We're still living into that story of Matthew. So what's next for you? If you need help, ask somebody. Talk to somebody you trust. If you need help, I'm here for you too. I'd love to talk with you. Keep moving.
Let's pray. God, thank you for, for these stories, for, for the ways in which they challenge us, for the ways in which they make us think about our relationship with you. And God, sometimes we can get stuck. Sometimes we stop moving. Sometimes we stop learning. Sometimes, sometimes we feel your presence, and sometimes we don't. For God, we trust in you. And we trust that you'll show us the way. We trust that you'll show us how to follow Jesus even more closely so that we don't just, so that we don't just grow on our own, but so that we actually grow into people who, who will bless all the peoples on earth. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.